0: Gold Land Investors, episode seven. Hey guys, super excited to have you here today on our new episode. Can you believe it? We're almost done with the first month of 2023. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. But what's more exciting is hearing from our New Mexico rock stars, where you can learn about house hacking, flipping, commercial, residential, and all things real estate. In today's episode, I would like to introduce, and I'm so privileged to have the honor to interview Daniel Kwok from the Kwok Brothers. You might've heard of him on YouTube. Tune in so you can hear how he got started, why he got started, and his own piece of advice just for you. Fun fact about Daniel, aside from him being awesome, he to this day still doubts himself. I was totally surprised to hear that. I would like to take a minute to thank the Chinese Shaolin Kung Fu Center on 6001 Gibson Boulevard Southeast. Thank you, Master Ram, for sponsoring this episode. Hey, Daniel, how are you? It's so awesome to have you here today on Goldland Investors. Thank you for joining. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. I mean, anything for you, of course, you know.
0: This is what I love about Daniel He is so awesome. Real estate entrepreneur, starting at the age of 18, negative $187.65 in his bank account. By 22, became a millionaire, started with 83 units, and such a kind and down-to-earth soul. Daniel, can you share with us about your experience? How did you get started?
1: Yeah, by the way, uh thank you for those kind words. You'll receive your check in the mail tomorrow. Uh but, um <laughs> I mean it's 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 good to be here. And obviously for uh the listeners that may not know, you know, Gladys, you're you're one of my clients and you're one of my students. And I will have to say you're probably one of the most dedicated, most committed people I've ever had the pleasure of being able to teach and coach. I mean, it's amazing the obstacles that you're able to overcome and how how far you've come, how much you're learning. I'm so excited for your future. But that being said, I'm happy wow, to be. Thank here. you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to, to, to come here and talk probably about one of my favorite subjects. So the way I got started is, you know, as, as you kind of said, as part of my bio, you know, I didn't necessarily have the best start financially speaking. You know, yeah. I was 18 years old, you know, and, and my background even before then is, you know, I, I belonged to an immigrant family. We came to the United States when I was five years old. And, uh, you know, we were really, we were very poor. I mean, dirt poor. And, you know, I grew up and learned poor because I, you know, poor is a mentality that a lot of people to learn. So uh, I picked that up all the way to 18. Like you said, negative $187.65 in my bank account, max stock credit cards. You know, knew nothing about investing, nothing about financial literacy. Uh in fact, I didn't even know what a mortgage was. That's how little I knew about real estate investing, let alone just finances in general. And you know, I made the decision to do something about it. I was like, you know what? Let me let me get into this and you know, a lot of people say that, you know, begin with your passion, begin with your, you know, love, right? And and I think that's important. I think love and passion are important, but what I would actually say is stronger is curiosity. And mm-hmm. for me, that's kind of what it started out with was curiosity. Curious of, you know, why did my family grow up really poor and other families didn't? What what did their generations before then, what did they do that's different than mm-hmm what my generation in the past did, you know, and what can I do to kind of reset that, right? So uh, it honestly just started out with me just being super curious about financial literacy, about investing. And as I learned more and more about different things, it just so happened that real estate investing was kind of the best option, in my opinion.
0: That is awesome. Curiosity, right? Because that is, I would like to say, what guides a lot of entrepreneurs because they don't see limitations. They don't see, I can't, or I'm unable to. It's a, how do I figure this out? So how was that curiosity guiding you through the first three years?
1: Yeah, so uh, the curiosity led to a lot of technical knowledge, right? And I always say there's two aspects with starting a business or really with anything. There's the tactical and then there's the creative. A lot of people, when it comes to entrepreneurship and starting their own business, get the two mixed up. They actually put the tactical first, right? And then they get to the creative. So it's more so of like, okay, like, you know, they, the like, we want to be able to do this, but oh, wait, but there's this, there's this obstacle, right? Like, they, they think more about the tactical things and creative things as opposed to the tactical serving the creative, which is, you know, hey, I want 100 units, how can my tactical brain serve that? So for me, how it began the first three years, I was just super obsessed with learning about real estate investing, learning about all the things that I could find, but I also allowed my creativity to be at the forefront of everything I did. So meaning that every single thing I was learning about real estate was out of curiosity, but it was meant for a purpose. You know, I think a lot of real estate investors today, they read the books, listen to the podcast, they do all these different things. But you know, if I were to ask them like, Hey, what, what's the simple and clear answer on what you want to accomplish with this thing? You know, it'd take, it would take them a while for them to kind of figure it out. You know, like they know they just want to make money and have passive income, but if there's not a clear goal with a clear strategy, a lot of that knowledge tends to be inefficient.
0: So would you say that you found your purpose? One thing that you mentioned right now is one and I, something I've heard a lot is generational wealth. However, I'm not too sure if that's the drive or purpose that you found,
1: yeah, and a lot of it in the beginning too, was just like, I just didn't want to be broke or poor. Yes, you know, so a lot of it was you know was driven by pain, not more so pleasure, but uh, the reason why I love generational wealth and even just that concept of long-term focused investing is because a lot of the successful real estate entrepreneurs and investors that I have personally come across, that's what they value. That's how they tend to think is long term, is multi-generational. Whereas a lot of the investors that I've met who maybe do well for like three, four years at the most, and then they kind of dip down, are the ones who kind of focus on getting that back today, uh, and just taking care of today, or it's, you know, they don't really look as far as tomorrow, you know, even. So I mean I bring that up because it it's very important thing. You know, one of the things I love that Warren Buffett says is that You know, every investment strategy is a great one if you just add more and more and more time. So imagine if you had a phenomenal investment strategy like, you know, buying cash flowing real estate where your returns are infinite and you add on 5, 10, 15, 20 years to that. Now you're talking about building real wealth as opposed to, hey, I did a deal and got a $20,000 check. You know, like I know a lot of guys who can do that. But to build multi-generational wealth that stands the test of time, that's
0: what drives you through when did you ever experience a moment where you doubted yourself and what pulled oh, you through
1: all the time <laughs> that still <laughs> that still happens today and look like you know i'm i'm yeah, i'm very young i'm only 28 by the way but I've, I've been in this thing for a good amount of time and i've been training people for a long time so like my portfolio now is up to we got 10 companies and uh we still have about eight figures with the real estate and we're actually uh right now buying a 500 unit uh, self-storage commercial piece of real estate. so um and and I like to surround myself with a lot of people who are much smarter than me. but let's be real. like I doubt myself all the time, all the time. If anything, um I hope I never lose that characteristic because usually the investors that I see losing their shirt or doing bad deals or or worse, losing other investors money is they they have a sense of confidence or I should mm. say a recklessness that isn't backed by anything. Like I, like a lot of people are like, well, confidence is always a good thing. And I say, not necessarily, you know, like growth, not all good, like not all growth is good growth. You know, like one of my, uh, one of my best friend Melvin Johnson, right? He, he says this thing all the time where he just go, Hey, not all growth is good growth because cancer can grow too, you know, and all sincerity, right? like confidence that's not backed by anything is is not good. Like if you're an investor and your confidence comes from the amount of hours that you put in. You know, the training that you, that's awesome. You should be confident. But if you're a beginner, if you're a newbie and you're super confident and there's nothing that backs that comp, then that's worrisome for me as a coach because it's just like, well, you know, if, if the chips hit the deck or like the things hit the fan, right? And you don't necessarily know how to operate or you don't have a tactic or a method to get out of it, then, you know, what happens to your confidence now? You know, so I always say that for me as an entrepreneur and an investor, my doubt is what drives me to get as most in, as much information i can about a decision i'm making and i would actually say that's part of the reasons why i think you know i would call myself a, a a solid investor because of my skepticism and doubt for everything
0: that's really that's really important one of the things that i remember hearing from you and by the way just for the audience to know i found about daniel via facebook <laughs> Facebook is good. I know sometimes we get random scammers and stuff like that, but I found Daniel via Facebook and I interviewed Chris and I asked him, why should I go with you guys versus these other people? And with Daniel, one of the things that I absolutely felt called to, or maybe even connected was his purpose. His struggle. I also come from an immigrant family. And not to say that other coaches aren't great, because of course they are, but I love this reality, this realness from Daniel that he's able to share and connect with his coaches on a one-to-one level. And I totally experienced this when I went to our first mastermind group in the mountains. Yeah, was it so was fun. just awesome, 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 awesome. So Back to being a solid investor, right? How would you say that this drive, this career has pushed you forward and has allowed you to accomplish your goals?
1: Yeah. So I think there's a a healthy balance between, you know, uh, drive, confidence, and also doubt and skepticism, right? Like, I, I really do believe that great investors know how to balance those things really well because, you know... You know, am I confident? You know, am I you know fearless? Right? All those things. Yes, I absolutely believe that. But it's for different reasons than most people. Right? I am confident because I doubt myself. Because I doubt a lot of things. And you know, people are like, "Well, how could you doubt yourself? How could you do that?" And say, "Look, like a lot of times uh, when bad deals happen, when things you know kind of hit the fan, it's usually because someone made a mistake." Right. And for me as the leader, right, I am responsible for everything that happens in my organization. So I have to always be doubting myself as a leader so that I could incentivize myself to grow and be better and all those things. And, you know, and, and a lot of people forget that you yourself are your greatest asset. So if you're not doubting yourself, you know, in a healthy way, so to speak, then you aren't growing and therefore the organization isn't going to grow. So I think drive, you know, it's, it it looks different for a lot of people. Like a lot of people are driven by money. and. That's not a bad thing, right? Like, I mean, money is a beautiful thing. It, you know, it builds hospitals, it helps people, right? It, you know, does some of the most wonderful things in the world. Uh It's usually how people respond to it that, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of negative connotation. But, you know, if you're driven by money for the purpose of, you know, things beyond yourself, that's fantastic. For me personally, I have never been driven by money. Like ever, right? <laughs> like, even when I was 18, 19 years old, like I didn't have any aspirations of being a millionaire or a multi-millionaire or, you know, having a 50, $60 million company. Like I never had any aspirations to do that. I just wanted to see how far I could go. You know, I was more so interested in testing myself and knowing what my limits are. And, you know, I I just love growth period, you know? So for me, You know, I'm at the stage of my career where, you know, if I wanted to drop everything and, you know, live in the Bahamas and just not worry about money, I can do that. But that drives me nuts. Like you could you could probably even talk to my wife Lisa. Like, yeah, Daniel hates going on vacation. He'd much rather be in the office, just you know, growing things, growing companies, scaling companies, you know, helping people, right? Like that for me makes me genuinely happy. Like I actually look forward to coming to work every single day. I know it sounds so bad. And a lot of people are gonna be like, who is this guy? But um, I do, I I genuinely love it. So I'm driven by more so the impact, the growth, the process itself more so than the result.
0: You know what's something else that caught my attention was when you said, not every deal is a good deal. That also stood out to me. So can you explain the why that is stated?
1: Yeah, so I have a philosophy that I teach you know, to, to all my students, to the people that I have the pleasure of being able to walk alongside. But I always say uh, there are good deals and bad deals. Yes. But there's also good and bad investors. I think a lot of not amateurs, but people who are kind of just starting out a lot of beginners, they put a lot of focus and emphasis on how good a deal is as opposed to how good they are. And I think that both needs to be equally put a lot of attention to, right? Like I, I know investors today where they could take a bad deal and make it really, really good. Now, is that ideal? No, right? You want good <laughs> investors doing good deals. And that's typically a winning formula. But you're right. Not every deal is is a good deal. One of my biggest pet peeves is also as a coach is that when people too much I put way too much emphasis on cash flow. And the reason why I do that is because typically sellers, brokers, whenever they market the property... The numbers that they use, like net operating income and gross effective income, those are and cap rate, especially, these are numbers that are very, very easy to manipulate. So when you basis your whole idea of what a good deal is based on what the cash flow is, now you're at the mercy of the integrity of the seller and the the representative, which I can assure you, more than half the time, is not gonna be great. So there's not, you know, there's good and bad deals, yes, but there's also good and bad investors. And the good investors know how to trust and verify and gather great pieces of information that lead them to the right decision.
0: It's all about good decisions and right decisions, not just, hey, that looks nice. Let's just go for that. Yeah, sure. You know, one thing that I absolutely, I loved and experienced with you and your group and the retreat was just this positive, 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 encouraging energy. It's not a competition amongst each other, but it's a growing together and nurturing together. And I totally saw that when I met Sam and I met Lisa and I met Katie and I met Chris. And I remember telling you, I said, Daniel, I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity because, man, you are a celebrity. You have accomplished so much. And I'm just so grateful to be part of your group.
1: Yeah, I, I hope I'm not a celebrity. I don't know if I ever want to be a celebrity. I, honestly, I'm honestly, i just the guy that I just want to like, you know, go hang out with my wife and do deals and build a business. I personally, my wife and I both are very private people. I'm, I'm not a big fan of a lot of attention. But I do think though, that there is a beauty in, in the movement. Right. And one of the things that I really stress to a lot of people, especially those part of our community is look like our mission and our vision isn't to help people do deals, it's to help people, it's transform people to become real estate investors. You know, and there's a big difference between the two, but it makes me glad and very gracious to hear the experience that you had. And, you know, and like I said in the beginning, you're you're one of the most committed people that I've I've had the pleasure of being with a coach. And that inspires and fuels me to do better, you know, and and continue to grow as well. So thank you for that.
0: I was going to say, Man, you totally are doing amazing. So can you share about what's coming up for or what's one of the deals that maybe you found the most difficulty in and how did you get through it?
1: Yeah. So all the deals that I've done and especially the ones that I would. Well, I mean, honestly, every deal is difficult because every deal has its own unique set of problems that need solving you know, which if you're, if you want to be a great entrepreneur, position yourself to be a problem solver, right? That's how you should always be looking as, as to yourself as a problem solver. I know a lot of real estate entrepreneurs and investors who they get under contract with a deal, something bad happens. And they're like, Oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. This deal is falling apart. What are we going to do? Right. But the, the good entrepreneurs and the good investors say, Hey, I expected something like this to arise. I expected something to come out of the blue. It's my job as an entrepreneur to solve this problem. This is what I do, you know? So a lot of it is, you know, taking ownership and personal responsibility of your business and what your role is as an entrepreneur in this space. But I mean, in all sincerity, you know, when you get in a, a nice little rhythm of doing deals, difficulties are always going to show up, right? Like I can, I can tell you every single deal I did There was a problem that came up, another problem that came up, another problem that came up. But, you know, you're asking me like a common denominator of difficulties that come. Honestly, the difficulties have always come through people. It's never been about like, oh, this, this property is giving me issues. It's always been about like the seller and are they, how agreeable are they? Are they willing to do a deal? You know, are they super selfish and super stubborn? You know, those, those have probably been the most difficult deals I've done is when the sellers are just completely out of their mind about what they're asking. They have complete unrealistic expectations and they're extremely stubborn and very difficult to work with. That for me personally have been probably the most difficult aspects of of my career. It's just people who are stubborn.
0: And what would you say has been one of the piece of cake kind of deals?
1: Oh gosh, man. The the, Honestly, (laughs) the piece of cake deals are the ones where Honestly, they're the ones where the sellers have a giant problem that need to be solved, and I can help them do that. You know, like I think, though, yeah, those those deals have been the easiest to do work with, right? So, for example, I did this eight unit deal where, like, I literally saw it on Tuesday and we closed on it like on Friday, right? Like, it was such a quick turnaround because the wow. seller had the property for twenty years and just it never did anything with it, and then you know he had a summons to appear in court. I mean, the grass hasn't been cut in months and there's issues, squatters, you name it. Like, I mean, the place was a whole pigsty and it was a massive problem for him. But, you know, we were able to come in, identify what his core problems were and we solved them. You know, it was extremely simple. So I'd say those are probably the most easiest Mm -hmm. deals. The, The deals where for other people might seem like a train wreck. It might seem like a lot. Honestly, those are the easiest for us as a partnership because the problems that need to be solved are so clear and the sellers are agreeable because we're solving their problem.
0: That's awesome. So where would you say that you see yourself in the next 5 to 10 years?
1: Oh, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully taller. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah I, I I don't know. I'm I'm one where I I'm not a big fan of setting goals. I just I truly enjoy the process, you know? And there's things where like my business partners and I we kind of toy around with, right? Like, you know, in 5 years I think I think we'll have a billion dollar company. Um in 10 years I hope I own a sports team, right? Like there's things that we throw, on our, throw around that it's so yeah, that'd be fun, you know? But you know, for me I focus so much of my time and effort in the process as opposed to you know, where I want to be in five years or 10 years, I I actually found myself surprising myself a little bit, you know, like, I remember at 23, I had five year goals, right, which 28 now it's five years later. And, you know, I was kind of I was actually I there's a box in my office where it just has all my old stuff, right. And I, I opened up this journal that I used to keep at 23 years old. And it wasn't like one of those like, Oh, today, I felt so sad journals. It was more like, Hey, what's what are the things I'm going to focus on? What are my you know, my KPIs and all these different things. And I I remember reading the journal. This was like two weeks ago. And this is a journal from five years ago. I I just remember seeing the goals and that I had for myself. And I was like, wow, I completely blew these goals away. Like I'm so much farther ahead than I thought I'd be five years later because I think my dedication to the process and not the result.
0: Nice. That is Awesome. Super, super, super awesome. Surpassing your own goals and your own expectations. What would you say contributed to that?
1: Yeah, I you know, I I think mentors are probably the number one thing. You know, one of the habits that I'm really glad I got into very early on in my career was, you know, putting a lot of importance on coaches and mentors, you know. So I, I had mentors, you know, at 23, 22, 21. I mean, even at you know, the beginning of my career where... Like I was able to ask them like, hey, you know, if if you were me, what would you do? And I think that's the most powerful question you can ask a mentor because now that puts the mentor in a position where they start asking you clarifying questions like, okay, so where are you at right now? Tell me about your sales, Tell me about your process. Tell me about all these different things. And then they're actually able to give you very specific pinpoint pivots um, that actually help you get to where you want to be. So, you know, I'd say mentorship, coaching is is probably one of the most important things that I'm glad I did in my career.
0: I'm glad you did too, because then here we are as right. coaches. <laughs>
1: yeah, Yeah.
0: That is awesome. Hey, so if you could revert back time and do something different, what would it be?
1: Man, probably be more, I'd probably slow down. Because one of the things that I've been learning from one of my coaches and mentors and You know the guy that I'm learning this concept from is a is a good friend of mine. I think John Wyken, who started and sold multiple companies. He's actually a professor at University of Chicago now. He teaches a 400 level class and just a really impressive dude. And you know one of the things that him and I talk about all the time is in business how slowing down actually makes you speed up. Right. So if you slow down on a day to day basis, it helps it helps you speed up over a three to five year period of time. So. I'd say that's something that I probably wish I would have understood more, you know, especially when vetting partnerships. A lot of my mistakes I made in real estate were around trusting the wrong people, you know, thinking that they had the same ethical and moral standards that I had.
0: Yeah. And that's another thing that I really aligned with when I heard that you mentioned that partnerships are important and powerful when our values align. Right. So, I have a couple of questions because we're running a bit short on time, but thank you so much for sharing all of yes, this. Of I know this is this doesn't even give a glimpse of how much you have to offer, but let's, if you let's could do tell us <laughs> yeah, uh, right? We totally have to. If you could tell our audience where they can reach you, how they can get in contact with you and what you provide, that'd be awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So I just love I love giving away free stuff. So um you know, we have a real estate course that we offer for free. We do a, an event every other week that we offer for free, you know, and we have a book that I give away for free. So, you know, and typically when people want more of my time and they want more my more advanced tactics, that's when, you know, obviously they can enroll in our, in our program, in our community. But if you just simply go to the thequackbrothers.com, there's a tab where it says free stuff and all our free stuff's there.
0: Nice. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we had this awesome rock star, Daniel Quack super entrepreneur i gosh i'm just so thankful that you're here with us and that you shared some of your story and some of your struggles and before we let you go i have a few questions what's your favorite color
1: oh gosh i don't know i probably black because i I just wear black every (laughs) single day or almost every single day but yeah i don't know i don't know if i have a favorite color sorry
0: (laughs) no worries what's your favorite pet or do you have a pet?
1: No. So Lisa and I were very uh, not pet people. <laughs> we, I feel like my businesses are enough for me, where they, they're my children and my pets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what would be your last piece or your piece of advice for the audience?
1: Uh, learn to be more resourceful, not rely on resources.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you, Daniel, for being here with us. And I will take you up on the offer for doing a second episode so that we can all learn more from your experiences and become real estate entrepreneurs ourselves.
1: I love it. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, guys, wasn't that just incredible? Gosh, every time I chat with Daniel, I'm just amazed at what he has to share and how much knowledge he has acquired through his young career, yet so successful. Also, please be sure to check us out on Amazon, Audible, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you may find podcasts. Also, make sure to check out thequakbrothers.com so you can get all kinds of freebies that Daniel offered to you guys. And when we asked him, hey, Daniel, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl game? He responded, the Chiefs will take it all. Well, let us know what you think about the Super Bowl game. You can email Gladys at goldlandinvestors.com for any comments, questions, suggestions, or tell us who you think is going to win the Super Bowl game. Well, it's been just such a pleasure to do this interview and to have this chat with Daniel. Oh, and one last thing. The difficulties that Daniel was referring to in reference to me is that I am legally blind slash visually impaired. For all of those who don't know or who may not know, I walk around with a cane and I am unable to see small print, large print, even huge print, not even the Hollywood sign. That's one of the things I love about real estate. It doesn't matter where you come from, what your background is, what your ability slash disabilities are, real estate is the way to go. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. And as always, happy investing.